another episode of Half Hour with Astro Theatre Company. I am joined today by, uh, it's, a, it's a special guest of someone who is not from Kansas City, but is an amazing artist and a dear friend of mine, the one and only Alec Funicello. Hey. <laughs> I really need to get like my reggae horn, like. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking, like, I watch so many of those streamers who have that stuff all set up. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Uh, I'm working on it. Uh, yeah, once we get once we get sponsored by like Chewy or something, that'll be. Oh, <laughs> uh, Alec, what's up? What you been up to? Oh man, not much. Um, went to the grocery store today. Sick. But, uh, you know, enjoying the new uh, the new change of weather, the LA weather. Yes, you just recently moved from New York City to LA. So what what has that been like? Did you road trip out there? I did. I road tripped. That is brave. <laughs> Yeah, um, my girlfriend Evelyn and I, we took a 28-day road trip starting in Syracuse, New York, worked our way all the way down south to Louisiana and cut straight across Texas, cut back up, and then uh, we got here to LA. Nice. And what sort of prompted that change of locale for you? Um, Well, I think it it was a big mix of things. Obviously, right now, there's not much going on anywhere. Um, (laughs) It's just desolate. Interesting time to do a road trip. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. But I think, um, well, so um, I'm an actor, as you know. Um, Theater was kind of my main main game in New York. But I also dabbled in film and television a bit in New York. Um, But I was seeming seemingly always floating towards theater. Um, and I think that once this pandemic hit and we lost our jobs in, in the theater world um, and we were up in Syracuse, New York and took a little time to like sit down and think about what, what I wanna see moving forward. And um, I think that I haven't fully focused or given enough time to um, film and television. So that was the big part of the move coming out to LA and not necessarily that LA is for film and television and New York is for theater. Cause there's obviously an abundance of, of that in New York, but I think having a change of scenery, uh, kind of like a new starting point, especially after all this chaos, it, totally. felt, like, it felt like it coincided with, you know, okay, now I'm going to focus on this. You know? yeah, I feel like it's like a good opportunity to, to like, kind of reevaluate and also we're so young and early in our careers like there's no really downside to being like okay fuck this like I'm gonna see what's going on on the other coast and you know see if anything comes to fruition over there totally and in even bigger ideas too like I've all all of the people that I've met and worked with having conversations with them about what this time has been in terms of recalculating goals and uh, personal worth uh, things like that you know so I think uh, for a lot of people, it's been like a big reckoning. <laughs> totally. I mean, when have we ever had this much time where like we were all, everyone in the world, like forced to just like be in stillness for a little while, you know? Mm-hmm. And certainly some people, unfortunately, never got the luxury and had to keep going to work. But for the most part, you know, especially yeah. as artists, we're just forced to like sort of sit in this stillness for a little while and be like okay what's going on yeah totally totally reevaluating like what what we offer to our communities and and you know how that's when there's no space for art and you know uh live arts live theater live music 
like, you know, how can we continue to contribute? That's been interesting. Yeah. yeah. But what I think is cool is that a lot of film and television have been able to like overcome the COVID stuff and work safely. Um, and a lot yeah. of stuff, even like major network shows, HBO, ABC and stuff have several shows filming in parts of the US and definitely Canada, which I think is really awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And, and that was something too, I took into consideration just thinking, you know, from, from being in an immersive theater show like Sleep No More and you know, that's like the furthest, <laughs> the furthest in this direction of what is not socially distant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and totally. so, so just thinking about film and television and thinking that, you know, this will probably come back sooner than live theater. Um, but it's made a really quick recovery. Not that it's fully recovered by any means, but um, yeah, it's cool to see what they're doing, you know, like these, these bubbles that they keep everybody in and um, how with the certain protocols that they're going through. It's intense though. Yeah, I have a few Very intense. who are currently working on some sets and it's really intense. Yeah. And if you saw Tom Cruise's latest blow up, yeah, I think you- I did you see know. that on Reddit. <laughs> uh, the best news source, obviously. Uh, most yeah. popular <laughs> news source, Reddit. Um, yeah, I just think, I think it's really awesome. And not to mention when you work on set right now, you get a free COVID test every time you have to go in. So bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, bada bing, bada boom. Instead of waiting in line for hours, you can just- you know, get one every day. Yeah, exactly. So Alec, our first little segment, what we like to ask people is you were born and then what happened? So <laughs> uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And when did you sort of like stumble into arts and performing? Like when was that something you realized that was, was kind of for you? Yeah, cool. Um, I was born in Syracuse, New York. Um, it's like a six and a half hour drive from New York City. Yeah. Uh, like a two hour drive from Canada. Um, so super upstate. Um, I was born and then what happened? I love that. So I was born <laughs> in 1994. Um, great and year. A great year. <laughs> great things were happening. I was, um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up going to like public school and then um, kind of got in, I was in like a funk. I think my teenage years were a bit grungier than my parents had anticipated. Sure. And, and so they sent me to a private school um, and like as a threat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was their threat. They were, they were like, we're going to take you out of public school where you're doing all this bad stuff and you're going to go to this beautiful private school. <laughs> and I was like, oh, darn. Um, but the focus there was um, it was it was a liberal arts school and they had a lot of uh, their music department was flourishing. And so there I continued my studies in piano, um, which kind of led me to, at, at the time I was just, this was a thing that my parents had me do. My aunt was a, a great piano player, is a great piano player. And my grandma was um, a music teacher. And mm. so the music has always been in our lives, but acting in theater and, and this, that sort of art hasn't. Um, so I was playing piano and I played in a jazz band in high school and then I started singing. And then um, after a couple of reformative years at this private school, <laughs> I got kicked out of that one and landed my ass back in public school. Oh my God, you bad boy jazz pianist. <laughs> <laughs> you private school bad boy. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up back at public school and I started doing theater there. That was the first time I like did a, a musical. And, How like, old were you? On stage. I was 13. Mm. Yeah. 
And uh, I, but I don't, I don't think that was like the, when I was like, oh, I love this. I'm going to go try to do this for in college or try to go get a degree in this. Um, I, I had some help from a music teacher to find a school that was, you know, that I could maybe focus on some form of art. Yeah. Um, and, and then as I became a senior in college, I was doing it more frequently and I was doing it outside of the, outside of the high school. And so that's when it started to become a thing of, oh, maybe I will go to school for this. But that was a confusing process too, because no one in my area was, had any knowledge or education on what does it mean to follow a career in the arts? Right. You know, everybody in Syracuse, New York, it was, you're going to go follow your dreams and try to make it big. And, you know, and, and that's what it was talked, that was how it was talked up to me. Um, so it quickly became a very big thing where I was going to go to school for acting. I was going to go get my bachelor of the arts in acting so that I could go make it big. Right. Um, Was there like not a lot of like folks who could offer you like insight into like, this is what it's like to audition for college programs and like whatever, because some of my friends when I was that age were like auditioning for like 15, 16, 17 schools, like flying all over the U S and I was like, I yeah. cannot afford to do that, first of all. And second of all, I didn't even know that these schools existed. Like, totally. I was so unaware of this, like, hierarchy of competitive arts degrees. Yeah, right. Me too. And I think I still am totally unaware of yeah. how that all works. It just matters less now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's the funny thing is looking back at it, I'm like, I don't even think, I mean, I enjoyed my time at Pace University. And, you know, I got a lot out of whatever that program was. And, <laughs> and, um, but looking back on it, I don't think that this like competitive nature of going to the best school is necessarily beneficial. It all just depends on what you want to do. And, it, yeah. you know, um, and how, how, um, structured you can be and disciplined you can be while yeah. you're there, because I know amazing actors who have gone to like a community college or state school. So I think yeah. it's kind of a combination of like natural talent and like, I'm here to learn this and, you know, I'm totally. going to dedicate myself. Totally, totally. Um, but yeah, I was super unaware of all that. I mean, my dad is a real estate agent. My mom is a, a stay-at-home mom. And so, you know, they had sent a, a, my brother, Matthew, to college before for for business. And so me, me going into the arts was a whole new thing. And so it was confusing. I had a, the music teacher that I had mentioned earlier, Colin Keating, he kind of was the one that said, all right, you can go to these schools where you can study musical theater, you can study acting. And, and so he threw out a few names and I did some research and immediately the only focus was New York City. I never once considered any of these other schools across the country. Um, I don't know why, I think it was because I was in New York already. Yeah. Um, and that's where all the magic happens you know, so totally. And for you, there's a the good excuse of like, well, I'm, you know, only six hours from home, I can just hop on a train and be there if I need to be. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But then going in and auditioning, I was blind as a bat, I had no idea what I was doing. And I at the time, I didn't know I didn't, I was never, uh, I never had like the musical theater bug, per se, I was more interested in acting, um, like straight play acting and whatnot. So I wasn't even sure when I would get to these auditions, if I was in the right, if I was, you know, if I was about to go in and try to sing a song or if I was going to like read a monologue. Right. So the auditioning process was a complete mess. Mine too. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, sometimes I wonder, like I look back at like walking into like this day of auditioning and just like walking into this big lobby and there being just like hundreds of students there and people, I mean, it was like a fucking movie. Like people are like in the yeah. splits, like singing as high as they can. People yeah. are like crying, doing a monologue at walls. And my parents looked at me and they're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, totally, dude. Oh my God. My dad, you know, God, I love my dad so much. But um, him taking me to these auditions, I think was like one of the most reformative years of his life. Um, <laughs> he was lost and, uh, and I felt that from him, which added even more um, anxiety to the situation that as you're, as you're saying was already pretty anxious. Um, yeah, those rooms were scary. Those rooms were really scary. I remember being at Pace and, and I think I was, I like Grant Kretchik was there um, and he brought me into a room for that the um the bfa program and i auditioned and then as i was leaving cosmine shabu grabbed me and said oh you have to audition for this uh this one as well yeah and i have no idea what this ba of acting was yeah you know but that's how the whole process was like at many schools it was you have to audition in this part this part this part yeah it's so strange and looking back like it's kind of a microcosm of like what the education there was and i'm sure this is also in other schools and conservatories as well but yeah. like the fact that you have to have these multiple different auditions in different rooms speaks to what it's like when you're like working on projects at the school because they're very separated yeah. and there's not a lot of um there's not a very big overlap in the venn diagrams no it's very it's very separated and it gets political too I Which mean, is so strange because looking back, my favorite projects I worked on were things that I was doing voluntarily that were um, involved with many other disciplines. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, and yeah. I just feel like they're doing such a disservice and not just pace every, every program yeah, is guilty yeah. of this yeah, of um, for a lot of reasons, but they're doing such a disservice to their students to like keep them in these little bubbles because at the end of the day, like we're all here to learn from one another and we're all going to be trying to audition for the same gigs yeah. after this oh well, it's not a, it's not an accurate representation of what it's like after school because after school it's all about networking it's all about meeting as many people as you can and and you know like-minded people working on like-minded projects yeah so, yeah i agree it is a disservice it's so strange <laughs> um so what did it look like like after you graduated and such like what was your sort of journey like in the city um, well, so I, I was meant to graduate in four years with a program, but I didn't because I quickly was like, so I ended up going to Pace doing the uh, Bachelor of the Arts, not the BFA program, um, the International Performance Ensemble. So we're traveling, we're doing all this. Um, An amazing program. Yeah, really, yeah. really cool program. And, and it was the first year of the program. So there was room for growth, but also as the students of the program there was room for you know helping the instructors figure out what the rules were yeah <laughs> you know, there was there was a bending and given a go um and so i was working on a project under underneath cosme shavu um and that project led to more projects outside of school which you know that was hard to do working on projects outside of school while being in school because everything conflicted constantly sure yeah yeah and so um eventually got to the point where I took a job where I was going to go to Paris and shoot a short film. Um, 
And then we were going to go to the Cannes Film Festival um, because a, a previous short film that I had been in made it into the in, into the festival. Um, and so I was then making the choice to not graduate on, on that last year because mm. I was going to miss like, you know, a, a, too many classes and too many finals. Uh, so, worth it to wear a tuxedo to the Cannes Film Festival. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm acting like it was a hard decision, but I made the decision overnight. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I went to this, it was an incredible trip. Um, I came back. I was at that point, I was working with a manager and an agent, um, auditioning, you know, four, five times a week, uh, working a couple of jobs, one at a rock climbing gym. I was bartending at night sometimes, um, uh, taking acting classes, you know, just the hustle, like, like the freelance hustle. Um, and, and then I decided I was going to finish school because I figured it would be nice to just have that nail in the coffin on the, on the, on the degree. Right. So I did some online courses to get myself that final degree. And around that time is when I, um, I booked, um, uh, Romeo and Juliet at, uh, at a black box theater at Lincoln center. And that was a really cool experience. And I met a ton of people in the immersive theater world through that show. Mm. And that's how I ended up, um, landing at sleep no more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it kind of rode that sleep no more wave and, uh, for a few years. And that, that's where, that's where it brings us to today. <laughs> yeah. It's so wild. And, and it's funny that you're like, sort of pursuing this interest in film and stuff over on the west coast because sleep no more is such a cinematic experience yeah. and yeah. i imagine that learning how to like be that i don't want to say small but like nuanced and controlled yeah. um definitely like sort of lends itself to film acting because um you sometimes are just in a room with one or two people yeah exactly you know? yeah well, what it is, is that you're, um, since there's not a lot of dialogue, very little dialogue in the show, um, you're acting with your eyes and with your body, which is pretty similar to on-camera work. So, you know, so Sleep No More is um, from the company Punch Drunk, and uh, Punch Drunk pretty much has their own school of thought, uh, um, and they teach their own style of uh, immersive theater acting uh, and performing. And, you know, they have a lot of great um, techniques that they use to get this living in your body so that if someone's behind me and I'm writing a note, you know, I can still be giving them so much information from the back of my head and from mm. my back, you know. Um, and if, you know, there's, there's, I want to bring all the attention over there. There's techniques that they teach you on how to bring all that focus somewhere else in the room. A lot of it is, is body posture and, and, uh, you know, the way you use your eyes. Um, but it is very much like being on camera, except for there's a camera just like 360 around you nonstop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's even more, you know, it's even more work in some ways. Totally. I mean, there's not a lot of room for air, I imagine, or at no. least noticeable air. <laughs> yeah, no. The second you start filling up with the air, you, you see all the, uh, the white mass walking out of the room. Sure, you know? I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Well, especially because in that show in particular, there are often very big movement sequences happening in yeah. the room next to you or down the hall or, you know, some like sort of events that sort of pop that 
totally the attention totally. to somewhere else. So, and as an audience member, um, because I was an audience member before a performer, there's always this feeling of I'm missing out on, on totally. something yes. because, you know, this is not traditional theater. You're not sitting in a room with a bunch of other people watching the same thing. And for some reason, at least for myself, I immediately started to think I'm missing what this show is. Yeah. You know, and um, because the space itself is so expansive that yeah, I've yeah. been, I think, three times and still feel like there's shit that I haven't seen and places oh, that sure. I haven't seen. For sure. And, and also the use of the mask and the, the eye holes are so small. You can only see such a small image at one time before you truly mm -hmm. have to like look around and change your vantage point. It's genius. Totally. It really is genius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like little cameras. <laughs> you're watching everything through through a camera lens. Yeah. Um, so, and your partner is also was also in Sleep No More for uh for a minute as well. Yeah, yeah, for a, a longer minute than than myself. Um, she graduated from Purchase College. Oh man, I don't know what year that was. <laughs> um, but she joined Sleep No More. I think the year or a year and a half after she graduated, and uh, and was with that company up until um up until you know march yeah so, yeah she spent a lot of time there yeah very cool and, and now we, you both find yourselves in and on the opposite coast yeah yeah <laughs> that's crazy yeah, pretty wild yeah so like once you once we're able to gather again and you know safely which is like the only thing that theater demands um right is there anything that you feel like you'd want to change or um stay the same even like what are you looking forward to are the aspects of of the industry that you think need to like shift during this like great stillness of the plague <laughs> yeah wow that's that's a great question um i think in terms of uh for immersive theater i think um there's a lot that needs to shift at least in the immersive theater world that i was involved in um you know like the it's not um it's not Broadway, so there's not a, it's not Broadway and it's not um, equity. So there are really not a lot of rules that are, are dictating the respect for performers and for set designers and for costume designers. Um, and I think when something like this happens, a, a pandemic, not that it happens a lot, but <laughs> it shows the lack of um, security and uh, respect really that that um, there is for these people that are giving their lives to this uh, this performance. Um, yeah, so I think there, I would love to see some new guidelines put in place for for performers who are, for performers, for costume design, for everybody involved on, on these projects that aren't really, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that aren't. It's kind of hard to like dem like figure out what those rules would be because like equity yeah. is so strict as they should be because you know they're protecting their their folks who are in the union but like mm. i don't know if equity would ever allow people to like do a show that starts at 11 30 p.m or yeah right, so right. it's it's like a fine line right so i don't know yeah. what the answer to that is either no, totally totally it is a fine line and i don't think like yeah a lot of things would would I wouldn't want it to ever change the uh, the like flowing structure of the show. Yeah. But there, but the line has to be drawn on the other side too, where there has to be some like you know like these people are getting like three, four concussions and and being asked to perform again, you know, and 
that sort of, there has to be a line drawn somewhere that yeah. stops any, you know, mal practices. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because we're doctors. As artists, we're, we're doctors. Yeah, um, we're doctors. <laughs> we can control our, our own brains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is um, something that I, I hope changes too, is just like, and even with like within the equity structure, just like greater respect and care and stability <laughs> for like people in the union and not and on stage and not like, how can we protect those folks and give more resources to them especially yeah. because i don't i don't know if this is the case there but oftentimes i find that the trickle down of like the resources like doesn't it kind of stops at the performers and they're it kind does. of the last folks in line to be taken care of financially or with insurance or whatever and oftentimes the artistic directors of these companies or the whatever are making exuberant amounts of money that could really be allocated elsewhere to like make for a happier and, and more stable company. Yeah, totally. And I think in doing that, you like look at the talent no longer as the talent as, and as like, you know, fellow colleagues, which, which takes like the arts as a, as an industry. And it, I think it raises the level of it, you know, yeah. like in other places of the world, the arts aren't looked at the same way they are here in the United States. There's so much more respect. There are statues of poets and statues of acting professors. And, you know, so I think like that won't happen until we start respecting it at a, at a base level. Yeah. yeah. And also yeah. I feel like even just from a producer level, like why wouldn't you want to sort of like from like, if I could speak to them and in uh, like a business term, like, why would you not want to protect your investment? Like, yeah, right. These right. folks are the ones who make you money. So yeah, you need yeah. to like take care of them, like physically, yeah, <laughs> to totally. make sure that they can continue to like bolster your, you know, your return. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess that kind of goes into a whole other topic of like arts for profit or not for profit. And in this country, there isn't a lot of like government support for arts, you know, the way that there is in other countries, it's such a part of the culture and the identity and the fabric, but in the U S it's not really. Yeah. Well, because I mean, yeah, it's not. And I think it has to do with like the U S finding their own culture or what their culture is you know it's all just stolen culture so Ooh, yeah amen <laughs> <laughs> well so i think it's it's hard for it's hard for this country to to be able to say yeah let's let's funnel all this money into this because it's our culture because you know yeah at some level it's not their culture right and also i think it's hard for folks in the u.s who are like higher up or have the resources to funnel into the arts to like be like well you probably won't get a return on this because like theater and most arts don't make a lot of money but yeah, they right. are like incredibly vital to like yeah. mental health and communities coming together and if you kind of like help support and bolster those communities then like that could kind of prevent a lot of other problems that you may encounter down the road you know yeah for sure for sure well yeah. so once, once we're able to gather again, what, is there anything else that you feel like you would like to see or anything in particular that you like miss and like really um, are wanting to experience again? Oh man, I, I, saw, um, I saw a post of just like, the, it was like somebody had pointed their phone down at the, at the ground level of a movie theater, inside of a movie theater. And it just said, I miss this feeling. Um, and mm. so just to sit in the movie theater you know, I didn't realize how much I missed that. 
And, and the same thing goes for like the 10 minutes before a play starts or 10 minutes before a musical starts. That, that feeling I miss a ton from being an audience member and from being a performer. Yeah. Obviously the excitement of being a performer, I miss that a little more, but just to be like in a rotating, uh, like to be back in that community where people are talking about things that are going up in different places and, um, you know, seeing all, all, all the immense amount of art being produced in the community that you're in, I miss that. So yeah, I mean, when things open back up, I'm going to go sit down and watch a movie and, you know, <laughs> go to the local theater and, and watch Yeah, something. see it yeah. all for sure. I feel yeah. like people are going to be super hungry for all of that. You know, I think as we see from <laughs> rising COVID cases, people yeah, are just right. dying to like gather and be together, yeah. which I, I try to look at in a positive light to be like, you know, humans real as, as politicized and like, you know, crazy as things are right now at the base of that i take as humans really are longing to be together right now and to like share experiences um and to come together and i think that um oh man it's a really interesting time too like once once all these guidelines are lifted and people are creating freely again um there is so much going on right now to pull from and you know i don't want to see like theater and film about being stuck in quarantine or like you know a pandemic play yeah like there there are some serious things that need to be talked about and addressed in this country right now Mm -hmm. you know so i think for a lot of people it's a time to be listening rather than creating as hard as that's going to be totally yeah but uh you know and and for others i think this is a really a, a huge time to to discuss some of the stuff that we haven't really been able to discuss we've been we've been all locked up and a lot of it has been shown on social media. You know, everybody's screaming on social media and that's great. But um, yeah, when, when people can start putting work out there again, yeah, I, I'm just excited to see what, what that is and, and to be a part of that. Yeah, um, I think it's such a, a gift. I mean, not in the way that I would have wanted, but this gift of time that we have been forced to sit with yeah. I honestly don't know if like a lot of these conversations would even be happening if we weren't right, right. forced to be sitting and like scrolling through Instagram for, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd be like forced to reckon with these things and also have the time to sit down and try to do some of our own education and learning about them. I don't know if yeah. that would have happened without this pandemic and being, you know, forced to be still for so long. Totally. And the conversations that, that, that has come out of this, you know, like, I wouldn't have been sitting in my parents' living room talking to them about why people are, you know, fighting for the rights of, of black people right now, you know, like, and what that means and why, you know, I wouldn't, that wouldn't, I wouldn't have been there, you know, it might've been a phone call. It would have been something, but, but yeah. And for all like this huge, this community of artists that I keep talking about, you know, uh, for the better part, it's dispersed. Like, when we were traveling through, we were in North Carolina and we saw some friends who are artists who are now in North Carolina making, making work or creating a new community. Yeah. And then we were in Houston, Texas. And, and there's, you know, friends from Sleep No More in Houston, Texas that are making work and making a community. Um, and that's really important too. And I don't think that necessarily would have happened either. 
I agree. This kind of mass exodus from <laughs> from huge arts hubs um, because there's no because there's no work first of all, and because it's fucking expensive to live there. Yeah. But also, I think it's like something I've been grappling with is like why haven't uh, why hasn't my focus been on like smaller communities like, and ultimately that speaks of like what we think of them and like how we view their worth. Right? Is it yeah. worth my work to or my time and energy to produce something in a community if no one in new york or la or chicago is going to recognize that on my resume right right like a couple of years ago probably not right but now i'm like know. that is actually the most important thing to me because right. after the industry has crumbled during all of this it's really exposed like actually that's the only thing that matters is having a safety net of people who have your back you know yeah yeah yeah, a, a stronger community, you know, it was a big community, but it, it needed to be a stronger community. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I could chat with you about this for days yeah. and days, um, but we have to begin to wrap up. So uh, what are you like working on now? Or do you have any projects that you're currently um, chipping away at? And where can we find you? Cool. Um Right now, I mean, I have really, really uh, indulged in the in the reckoning aspect of this pandemic, you know, um, coming from performing five, six days a week to not performing at all at first was really scary and it felt like I was doing something wrong. But after a couple months, I, I you know, decided to lean into it and enjoy the time that it, you know, it allowed me to reconsider my, um, my personal worth. Um, and so I haven't been doing too many creative ventures that are public right now. Um, a lot of it has been internal. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm coming back around and I'm ready to, to get back out there and, and uh, share the love. Um, but I have, uh, I've recently been selling, uh, selling solar panels to, to um, private and public people. Um, no way. Which, <laughs> I know this is probably really off topic and you can cut this out later, but <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> I, I just want to tell you. And, We're actually going to open the episode with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really like California is different from, from New York in, in that, you know, in the like power is a, a totally different thing out here. You know, the amount of fires that it causes every year. And a lot of people are paying a, a shit ton of money for it. Um, and there's all these mandates right now to try to get reusable energy and, you know, reusable this, reusable that by, you know, in five years or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I've been working for a company going out and helping people cut down on bills and put up solar panels on their roofs. And, and that's been really awesome and creative too. You know, I'm, I'm out there like as a salesperson, as a marketing person, and then as like a construction person. And yeah, these are all things that for me, it's always been about pulling from my personal experiences that aren't about, you know, performing to help myself perform. Um, but yeah, but you can find me on Instagram at uh, Alec Funicello and that's my handle. And I've released a short film that I made during quarantine um with my uh partner evelyn and my dad and my grandpa are in it um, it is fantastic <laughs> it's so good it's like it's like twilight zone meets like something else it's fantastic it's so yeah, fun cool, dude i appreciate that i was i'm um what's his name yorgos lanthimos is one of my favorite directors i don't know if i said his name right but um 
he did the lobster and sacred killing of a deer and a ton of other stuff. So, you know, I always said if I was going to make any, or if I was going to film anything myself, I would, I would use him as inspiration. So <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah. That, I mean, and a good use of like, again, time to be creative on your own terms, you know, when it yeah, feels good yeah. and feels like it, you know, natural. So that's awesome. Well, I hope you have a happy holiday, dude. And we'll, we'll talk again Thank soon. You. Okay. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, have a good one. Thank you. You too.